And so how do we continue and grow in harmony? See, that harmony means that how do we flow and be in agreement and be in one accord with one another, even though we may not agree on every single point, we have a spirit of agreeableness. See, we sing the songs, and as we were praising God together this morning, did you hear a harmony? Did you hear a flow and a move that caused your heart to just want to lift closer to the Lord? And the reality of it is none of us were all singing on the same tune. Around me, there were folks that had a better tune than I had. But when we come together, there's great harmony. And it brings us closer and closer to God. And so today, we're, we're, we're going to spend a little time talking about what it means to unite. What it means to unite. Learning to stand together. Now, I hope you're listening. I hope you have your, your spiritual listening ears on because I believe God wants to speak to each and every one of our heart today about this very point. So if you have your Bibles, your tablets, your smartphones, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 3 through 6. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 3 through 6. And here's what it reads. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts mightily, that we may hear your engrafted word that's able to save, deliver, and set free. Lord, lead us in the way of righteousness. Help us to trust you all of our days. Help us not to lean to our own under understanding, but let Christ lead the way. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. See, the Bible tells us to stand. And when we hear that phrase, to stand, it means literally to not quit. To refuse to be intimidated by Satan and his devices to divide us and to separate us. To be not terrified by our adversary, the devil. But to stand on the truth of God's word because Christ is the answer. But when we are tired of all the circumstances... Quitting starts to look good to us. And maybe you and I have experienced all the circumstances and the trials and the afflictions of this world that can so easily divide us. See, we can be divided on who should lead our country. We can be divided on how to raise our families. We can be divided even on who's the best football team. We can be divided on our religious beliefs. And we can be divided on our race and our creed and our culture. But I'm so thankful to know that God's word unites. God's word unites. And so as we look at this scripture verse here today, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, 
Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he's wanting to remind them how important it is to be intentional about keeping unity, about being unified, about trusting God. And that's a unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. See, if you have proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ, at the moment you accepted Christ, at the moment you repented of your sins and you allowed Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, the Spirit of God came on the inside of you and quickened you and you became a living spirit. And so there's little spirits all around in this place. And the Spirit of God comes in this place, and he inhabits the praises of his people. And he inhabits us. And so there's something that happens. Paul is reminding us, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. In other words, the same Spirit in you, the same Spirit in you, the same Spirit in you would allow God to flow to a building effect in us. That we move from faith to faith, glory to glory. And we become stronger as the body of Christ than we could ever have been in our singleality. And so he says, endeavoring to keep this, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Oh my goodness, that's such a great word that, we're, that we need to meditate and reflect on because there's five elements that we see when we look at that word, the bond of peace. And I'm going to drive our audiovisual team mad today because I'm not staying on, on schedule with all the notes that we showed. But I trust God that he has a plan to share with us today. See, there is a bond of peace, and that bond is not just being peaceable with men, but it's created in heaven. See, we understand that God is our peace. And so we not only are we bonded with God, we are bonded with Christ, the Christ who is the prince of peace. He is the one that established it on this earth. He is the one that brought it back, and he is the prince of peace. We also have the Holy Spirit who has of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And so by the Spirit that lives on the inside of you and I, we can have peace with God and peace with man. But there is also the gospel of peace, that the good news that we proclaim, the good news that was proclaimed to us brings peace. See, the middle wall of petition that divided us and separated us, just like it separated the Jews and the Gentiles, the gospel brought peace so that we would no longer be separated. And our understanding of who God is and our relationship with one another. But also there is a fifth peace to the character which the saints bear. For we are the sons of God. See, John Matthew 5, verse 8 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God. So the question of us to us today is, does it look like our world is in peace? See, the reality of it is, is we're standing on a whole lot of things, but are we standing on the promises of God? 
Are we standing in the peace that we have with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Are we standing on the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And are we standing in the character as his dear sons and daughters? And that we would emulate peace in this world. And so I just want to spend a little bit more time and talk about what it means to stand together. See, Paul mentions this in verse 4. This standing together as a key part of having harmony. He uses the term one body in Ephesians 4, verse 4. He assigns this as a reason why Christ nourishes and cherishes his church. Because all who belong to it are members of his body. That is, of his mystical body, his spiritual body, his holy body. His eternal body that will not perish. Or are we members out of his body? Are we resting on the membership of this world? Are we trusting in the things of this world? Or do we allow the bond of peace to rest upon us? See, in this same passage of Scripture, Paul challenges us not to just be willing, but to fight for unity. Taking ownership of keeping it as a vital part of our Christian faith and the power that comes with it. See, God was sharing with me, I was thinking about an illustration to give you to identify and visualize what's happening today. And I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, give me a, a, a profound visual, something that would just smack us across the face and go, man, I get it. And then the Lord told me, shin splints. Shin splints? I said, Lord, what is shin splints? Shin splints. See, there's something about right here where that shin is. See, we know that there's a part that needs to be guarded, that we stand. But let me tell you a little bit about shin splints. See, shin splints normally happen to someone that, that runs a lot, that's labor, maybe a, an athlete, uh, someone that walks a lot that does a lot of weightlifting, so you're putting pressure on your shin. And as you continue to put that pressure on it and you, and you continue to overexert it and overwork it, there is some breaking down of the muscles and the tissue. And if you keep doing it, it gets worse and worse. And so you start feeling this aching and if you work and, and, and put a lot of pressure on it, it becomes very painful. And so you visually can't see it. You know that there may be some ache, there may be some pain in the shins, but you feel that throbbing. And maybe we go through our day and, and, and we can feel the throbbing, but we'll say, I can handle it, it's okay. It's just a dull pain. And so we look, we overlook it, we know that the pain is there, we know that something's not right, 
but we'll overlook it. And we'll say throughout our daily life, it really doesn't affect me that much, but we keep not letting it rest, not letting it heal. There is a moving to where it can become stress fracture. And those stress fractures are those little lining that you can't see that's beneath the skin that there's fractures. It creates this pain. And we're not a dealing with it. We're not addressing it. The muscle and the bone is becoming more and more separated. And we still can't physically see it, so we disregard it. Until there is a time of rest. See, there is something about when, I'm, when we're going through our day, we'll ignore that little nagging, aching pain. But when we're laying in our bed, when we're trying to rest, that's when it shows up the most. And we feel that aching, and some of us may have had that restless leg syndrome. And it keeps us from being able to sleep, and it keeps us from being able to rest and to be replenished. And we go through life never fully getting to that place of rest, never getting to that place of peace, because we never address the splinters. We never address the fracture. And so often like that and with our relationships with others, that they can be fractured, that they can be splintered, and that we'll move through life never addressing them. Never allowing the honor of God to honor God and esteem others higher than ourselves. Never allowing our love to be sacrificial and, and to pour out ourselves for others. And never uniting, truly uniting. Because that word unity and uniting doesn't mean to just be okay with one another. Doesn't mean just to be, you know, when doing our waking hours and in our community that we're peaceable with one another. We're just kind of living around each other, but not living with one another, not being in together with one another. See, that standing together means to pressing and to, to be in like concrete and cement with one another to cause the healing to occur, that we stop we slow down, we listen, and we grow one with another, together. And so God is challenging us. He's, he, he, he's seeing everything around us, and God is shaking things up. Would you agree? He's allowing some stress to be placed upon our shins. 
so that we would understand we can't stay like we are. We can't just live around each other. We just can't try to live peaceful because it's going to be okay during the day, but when it's time to rest, when it's time to walk in the fullness of God, the mending must occur. God wants to heal our land. See, without unity, we struggle to walk in harmony. Without unity, the body ceases to grow. The Bible tells us the house divided cannot stand. Without unity, God's continued flow of blessings is hindered. See, there's something that happened today in the spirit. See, there was a flow of the spirit. There was vessels in this place that allowed God to flow through you. See, if we would have hindered that, if we would have resisted that, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have had an opportunity to freely flow through us and inhabit us and to bind us and to strengthen us. See, as we come together as a body of believers and we trust God and we walk in honor of one another, we walk in love for one another and we unite together, the Holy Spirit is free to, free to flow in and through us. See, the corporate power and authority we have in Christ is no longer diminished, but it's set free. But if and when we have learned that there's a purpose to unity, that there's a priority for unity, that there's a picture and there's a power of unity. Boy, God can do some great and wonderful things in and through us. See, the purpose of unity is to join God's people together as one for the work of the ministry. So that we would be fitly joined together, that we would be the body of Christ and that we would be powerful in this land to affect change in the spirit so that men and women would see Christ high and lifted up in us. Do you know that every single one of us in this room are 99.1% exactly the same? You and I. that there is only less than 1% that makes us unique. And that God in his diversity and his uniqueness created us uniquely for a divine purpose. See, Acts 17 reminds us that we are all of one blood. And that you and I were fashioned and created for such a time as this. To be the body of Christ. To affect the world for him. With all of our uniqueness and our diversity that we would come together. And show the uniqueness and the power and the love of God. I look at some of us and I say, well, of course God's 
doing a work in you. Peggy, look how wonderful Peggy looks. Of course, God is doing a work in Chap. Look how sustained he looks. But how could he do a work in you? Maybe you've said that before. See, he's no respective person. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. See, our uniqueness shows how powerful and how wonderful our God truly is. And that he can do it when no other can. That it's in him we move and breathe and we have our being. So the purpose of unity is to join God's people together as one for the work of the ministry. The priority of unity is to remind us that the days are short. Now is the day of salvation. It's not guaranteed tomorrow. We're like a puff of smoke here today and gone tomorrow. See, God is coming back. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. That there is such a priority that we're united, that we're standing together so that the image of Christ will be fully known and seen through us. See, Christ's image is here. But if we're divided on every point, on every issue, on every task, this is what happens. The world sees a puzzle that's not connected. The world sees splinters and separation. And just like the world, everybody wants to be a part of something good. Nobody wants to be a part of something bad. And so it's so hard to see the goodness of God when the saints of God are splintered. But when we come together, when we stand together, when we are cemented together, Christ is seen fully. Turn with me to John, the 17th chapter, verse 21. Jesus said these words, he says, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. See, our oneness, our standing together helps the world see and believe. He goes on to say, And the glory which thou hast gavest me, I have given them. The purpose righteousness. So often we can look at ourselves and we can say I'm wretched and undone and I'm no good and I make all these mistakes. The glory of the Lord has been given to you. His perfect righteousness. Now stand in it. Trust God for it. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. 
Christ is the emulsifier for you and I. Christ is the bonding agent that binds us together. Christ is the peace that passes all understanding. Christ is the way maker. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And there's such a priority that we unite together so that the world may know. But there's a picture of unity. David shared this picture. He said how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said, see the holy city of Zion. That in this desert place, in this destruction, in this dryness all around us, there is paradise. There is water that flows from heaven. That as we come together in unity, we receive the blessings of God. And somebody looks at that and says, I want that. Somebody looks at that and says, that doesn't look like what I've experienced. It's not water from this world. And they get to taste and see that the Lord is good, that his mercy endures throughout our entire life and into eternity because of Christ. We get to display this picture of a loving God of a God that, yes, there is wrath to come for the sins of this world, but God's desire is that none would be lost. And so they picture a loving God who was willing to give all that he has, was willing to crucify his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And the unity gives this picture of the priestly manner of the anointing that comes on the body of believers. And that it follows with the blessings of God and brings eternal life. See, it says life forevermore. And then there's the power of unity, the power of wholeness, and the power of the greatness of one body of believers. See, the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. As we join and unite together. Miss Hannah, come up here for a moment. Silas, come up here for a moment. Yeah, I'm calling you Ezra. Come on up here, brother. We want to come on up here to the stage. One of you stand right here where I'm at. One of you stand right here. And one of you stand right here. Now I want you to keep me from getting to the other side of you. Move over a little bit. But you can't move. 
You got to stand right where you're at. You can't join arms. You can't connect. You just got to stay where you're at. You want to try that on this side too? See, we can be in the same assembly. And we can be powerless because of the lack of oneness. Now come together and hug one another a little bit. Join together, stand together. Now try to keep me from coming in between. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. There's something that happens when the saints of God stand together. There's not only beauty, they wanted to hug me. <laughs> but there's power. There's strength. See, our world has had enough of all of this division. Our world should be sick of all of this dividing. But our world is lost and in need of a Savior. So what prevents us from uniting with others? Maybe it's the fear of getting too close. Did y'all feel a little fearful of getting too close? And them knowing our secrets. Maybe you've been there and you figured if, if you let someone in too much, they might get to know you a little bit. See, it's so important that we lay all of those fears at the foot of the cross. Maybe we would say it's our personality that we're not very friendly or personable and you just get, you know, tired with all the connectedness. And maybe you've been hurt and you've built those walls up. You say, I'll let them in this far and no farther. See, saints, we are called to be in relationship. We are called to unite. The definition of unite comes, means to come and bring together for a common purpose, a common action. And it's so important that we learn to stand together. We stand together doing issues. See, we keep the issue on the outside of the body. The scriptures remind us of that. That all sins are outside of the body. The only one that's inside is the sexual sin. And so as we're in relationship with one another, that we allow ourselves to not take it in. Have you ever been there? Where you felt hurt or you felt some brokenness from someone and you took it in? God says don't do that. Because just as Christ spoke, he says, why persecutest thou me? 
See, the persecution is against Christ, not you. We're also called to stand together through viewpoints. That our views and our opinions are not more important than his. The Bible says to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. And understand that pride comes before the fall. He's challenging us to stand together when sick and hurting. Let the strong bear the infirmities of the weak. That word infirmity means to physical or mental weakness. That we would bear with one another. That we would understand that there's ailments and there's aches and there's pains and there's suffering of this life, but we would bear it, not run from it. But stand together. See, John gives us a beautiful reminder of this in John, the 12th chapter, verse 32. Here's what he said. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. See, Christ bared it for us. See, that means to be lifted up upon the cross, to be crucified to draw us to him so that we wouldn't be broken and we wouldn't be lost. And so as the members of the body, there's a challenge here found in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse four and five. Turn back there with me. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We hear the word one over and over and over and over again. We are not separate. We are one. It's so important that we allow ourselves to be cemented one with another. That we honor in a way that gives glory to God. That we love in a way that it shows him that's living and breathing in this earth. And we get close. We allow the healing to occur. We don't fight and fuss over things that just don't matter. We allow the splints to be healed. The fractures to be mended. So that we can run the race for Christ. There's a story that, our, that Paul finishes here as we conclude our message today. He finishes up chapter 6. Reminding us that it's not in our ability, but that it's in Christ's ability. That it's not in our strength, but it's his strength. That it's not important for us to be strong, but allow him to be strong in us. And in Ephesians 6, verse 10, he says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So often I've read that passage. And I've seen where it says to be strengthened by the Lord. But the application sometimes is harder done than said. We can walk in our own strength instead of the strength and the power of, of the Lord. Knowing that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and natural. That the battle is not natural but spiritual. That there's a war going on all around us and we're called to be in the battle. And maybe we saw the picture of the whole armor of God and we've seen how clean and how fancy that soldier looks. But that's not the picture that God wants us to see. See, as I was reading this and looking at this, verse 13, I always thought, for many years that there was something missing, that there was a continuation, that maybe they, it shouldn't have been a period there, that the next verse that says, stand therefore, was the end of it. But no, God got it right, always. See, we need to understand what we're seeing there. See, what we're seeing in that verse 13 it's not a warrior that's all shiny and clean and, and, and he's got his best and new armor on and that he's posing for his glamour shot. But we see a warrior who's been in battle, that he's been afflicted. And see, that scriptural passage is not a singular passage of scripture, but it's a plural. He says, now, brethren, those of you that are called by the name of Christ, those of you that have been adopted into the blood, battle together. Stand together. Fight the good fight of faith. Trust that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty towards God to the pulling down of strongholds and the lifting up of the same. And he reminds us and speaks to us. He says in 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done it all, fighting, falling, being beaten, warring through the mess and the mire of this world, that you would come out standing. And you wouldn't be standing alone because the strength is in the oneness. 
See, it's a picture of the saints of God with dings in their armor, with cracks in their shield, and they're so bloody. And maybe they're dragging it, but they have their loins that's girt about with truth. I trust in the living God. I know that he's able. I don't trust in my own abilities, but I trust in him. And I'm not weakened. I'm not defeated. Because my brother and my sister, we are standing on the promises of God. It's a walk of victory. There's no regret. There's no doubting of the head. But it's a lifting up. The hearing the sweet music of the harmony of God. Because we've honored him. We've loved with everything that we have. And we're standing together. And it's for his glory. And others see it. And they go, I want to know. I want to receive. What must I do? of God, let great God's great work be done in you. No matter what it looks like in this world. He's been so, so good. And we get to walk in harmony with one another. In harmony with God. Knowing that he will transform whole world. So let him do a great work in you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.